All right, Mark chapter 8. I'm aware of the time. Mark chapter 8 and verse 27. Would you stand with me to read uh, with me three verses? I'll read them. You, you follow along. Uh, I didn't mean to read it out loud with me, unless you want to. Okay. But anyway, Mark chapter 8 and verse number 27. Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? They answered, John the Baptist. But some say, Elias, and others, one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye? that I am. And Peter answereth and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ. Thinking you can be seated in God's presence for a few minutes. As I preach on who is Jesus? This is the single most important question that you will ever answer in your lifetime. How you answer this question will determine your eternal fate. Heaven or the lake of fire? Your choice. But it's important to get Jesus right. If you are of the first sort that think he's just another prophet and you do not understand the full weight of what he did and who he was, then you will come short of the glory of God. But if you embrace all of who he is, namely that he is the Christ, then you can be saved. It's important to get this question right. Amen. There are entire denominations that will gladly brag about Jesus and all the good works he did and they'll put him in a category as with Moses or the other prophets but they will not designate him as not only the son of God but God the son and it is important to make that distinction does it really matter oh yes it does and it is my assignment to give you just for a few minutes answers that'll help you come to uh, a, a, a concrete conclusion as to who Jesus is according to the scriptures. If you look up the Greek word from which the word Christ is translated, it literally means the anointed one and the Messiah. Okay, the Messiah. Now, why is that important? It's important because uh, the the Old Testament prophecies prophesied of the coming of the Messiah. Uh, it was foretold throughout all the law and prophets. In fact, when Jesus was preaching to some scribes and Pharisees who had decided that they were rejecting his ministry, uh, he told them, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and they are they which testify of me. He's saying, hey, y'all might have went to Sunday school, but you didn't get it. 
Amen. Because, uh, listen, you can learn, you can get some head knowledge about this book. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And you can know about Jesus. uh, But unless you know personally who he is, uh, that head knowledge is not going to do you a bit of good. Because these people literally crucified the one that they said that they were awaiting, the Messiah. They didn't want to believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And so they forced the issue and they, they put their blinders on and they ignored all the evidence that if they would have seen, they could have seen, but they would not. Right? And so what are the scriptures say of Jesus quickly I'm going to give you 12 or 13 I'm going to run through these amen spitfire fast so you got to be ready for them are you ready say amen all right the scripture said in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15 I'm not going to read the verse but I'm going to tell you what it prophesied of Genesis 3 15 uh, was the first prophecy referring to the Messiah has the one who would crush the serpent's head, symbolizing Jesus' victory over sin and Satan. And then Genesis chapter 12 and verse 3 is the promise to Abraham that, quote, in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed, end quote. And this was pointing to Jesus, according to the book of Galatians, as the fulfillment of this blessing to all nations. Then Genesis chapter 49 and verse 10 says the scepter, uh, the, uh, it speaks of the scepter not departing from Judah unto Shiloh. The word Shiloh is understood as the Messiah. And it says the scepter will not depart from Judah unto Shiloh. Uh, 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 let, me read, let me read this again. I'm stumbling on my words. The scepter not departing from Judah unto Shiloh comes prophesying the Messiah will come from the tribe of Judah. If you're with me, say amen. Deuteronomy chapter 18 and verses 15 and 18, Moses spoke of a prophet like unto him whom the Lord would rise up, which is a reference to none other than Jesus Christ. The book of Psalm chapter 22, the whole chapter is a vivid portrayal of the crucifixion describing the Messiah's suffering and death being fulfilled in Jesus crucifixion. You rush on over to Psalm chapter 110. And by the way, this is not all of them. This is just some highlights. You rush over to Psalm chapter 110 and verse 1. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand. Amen. Until I make thy enemies thy footstool. And this was a prophecy of Jesus' exaltation and divinity. Somebody say amen right there. The book of Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 says that the prophecy of a virgin, it spoke of the prophecy of a virgin bearing a son called Emmanuel. Pray for my voice. Which is a direct prophecy of Jesus' miraculous birth. Then you go to Isaiah chapter 9 and verses 6 and 7 where you have the announcement of a child's birth who would be called Wonderful, Counselor, listen, the Mighty God. That's the name, one of the names of Jesus, the Mighty 
God, the everlasting Father. This tears up the doctrine, the oneness doctrine, where they try to say that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are just different names of the same person. Listen, uh, they, they try to t- break the Trinity down is what I'm saying. They try to say the Trinity don't exist. Uh, how many of you know that God is complex enough to exist one Amen. One God, three persons, right? Are, are you with me? Say amen. And, and this Bible tells me that Jesus Christ uh, was given names, and one of them was that he was the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, I think this is where some of the oneness doctrine people actually twist the Scripture to try to break down the doctrine of the Trinity. We'll deal with that in uh, Bible school class another day. i got to keep going. Uh, but there's so much rich doctrine in here. Amen. But this gives us a clear prediction of Jesus' divine nature and eternal reign. Then you go over to Isaiah chapter 53, which describes the suffering servant who would be wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. Amen. It says, by whose stripes we are healed, which points to Jesus' atoning death. Then you go to Jeremiah chapter 23 and verses 5 and 6, you have the promise of a righteous branch, capital B, and a king, capital K, who would reign wisely, which is a prophecy again of Jesus' righteousness and eternal kingdom. Then in the book of Micah, you see in chapter 5, verse 2, a prophecy that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, specifically fulfilling uh, the historical nativity account of Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, Then you have the book of Zechariah, chapter 9 and verse 9, where you have the prediction of the Messiah's triumphant yet humble entry into Jerusalem, fulfilled by Jesus' entry, sitting on a donkey glory to God and then you have Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 10 where it prophesied that the Messiah would be pierced which is connected with Jesus crucifixion again Jesus told them search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and they are they which testified of me do you remember when Jesus walked down the road to Emmaus with those two disciples and they, he had not revealed himself to them yet after the resurrection and, uh, and he talked with them and the Bible said he took from uh, the, uh, all the law and prophets and expounded unto them himself uh, through the word of God no doubt he quoted some of these scriptures that I just preached to you this morning preaching to them disciples uh, revealing to them that Jesus Christ uh, was the fulfillment uh, and, and the Bible said on him hell will hang all the law and prophets amen Jesus is the fulfillment of all the law and prophets and, and Jesus was uh, Jesus who is the word took the book and preached himself can you imagine what a sermon and they said did not our hearts burn within us when you get to exalting Jesus if you have Jesus on the inside of you or if he's knocking at your door your heart's going to be set on fire you won't be able to hardly help yourself or stand yourself amen because that witness is within uh, saying yes 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 you're telling it right Jesus Christ is Lord somebody shout amen this morning and so we see then uh, that the scriptures testify of Christ. In fact, I would challenge you as you're reading your Bible through with me, 
this year on Cornerstone Keynotes, uh, to make a note somewhere every time you see Jesus in the Old Testament. Either a type or a prophecy or a foreshadowing, it'll blow your mind. If you ask God to speak to your heart and reveal himself to you, you'll, you'll be blown away at how many places you'll see types and foreshadowings pointing people to Jesus in the Old Testament scriptures. Amen. Uh, and I'm about to have a Baptist fit thinking about it. Glory to God. I'm telling you this morning, we serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Who is Jesus this morning? Well, he's the Son of God. He's God the Son. He's our risen Savior and Lord. And he's our soon coming King. Amen. Uh, he is the Messiah. And it's important to make that distinction. We need to pray for the blindness of the Jews in part. Uh, because there are still many Jews today that are still looking for the first coming of their Messiah. They entirely missed the boat uh, when Jesus came. Amen. Uh, and they're blinded. But one of these days. God's going to focus his entire attention back on his people and he's going to save and call to preach 144,000 Jews that are going to be set on fire of the Holy Ghost and preach the gospel to the ends of the earth throughout the, the tribulation period and I think it's just around the corner soon as the church is out of here God's going to start that work. Isn't that amazing? And I'm telling you this morning that Jesus is the Messiah. The book of Matthew chapter 8 and verse 26 says, And he saith unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye, of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Who is Jesus? He's the one whom the winds and the seas of your life must bow down to. Amen. You say, I got problems. I say, you got Jesus. Somebody say amen. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. The book of John, chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the resurrection and the life who has come to give you and me life. Amen. The book of John chapter 14 and verse 6. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Who is Jesus? He's the only way to the Father, the only truth, and the only life. You better call on the name of Jesus. Amen. The Bible says that he's given a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And by the way, if you're ever asked, yeah, give God some glory this morning in the house. If you're ever asked to pray a prayer at a public facility and they ask you to just pray one of them generic prayers and please don't pray in Jesus' name, I would refuse and not even pray before I would pray without exalting the name of Jesus because he is the one mediator between God and man. And if you don't make the distinction and acknowledge his name, you don't know who, what God you're talking to. Amen. You don't know who you're trying to get to God through. You better be unashamed 
ashamed of him, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Amen. For it is the power of God. Listen, you better pray in Jesus' name. It may only give you one chance to do it, but you better do it loud and clear when you got it. Amen. Because this world may try to shut them out, but one day going to bow before him, and you better be the one sounding the alarm. Amen. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. He fulfilled that in his earthly ministry when it says himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. It's not just talking about spiritual healing either. It's talking about physical healing. I know there are times God don't always heal and I don't understand that theologically. I cannot explain that to you completely. But what I can do is I can tell you that he's still a healer and you better just be busy believing him and then trusting him with the results. Can I get an amen this morning? All right, the book of John, chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world who condemned the world. He didn't come to condemn you. You got it all wrong. He said, but that the world through him might be saved. What was the purpose of God? He came to reveal himself to you, not to strike you with terror and send you to hell with glee in his heart. No, no, no. You was already condemned. So he saw that the only solution for your, uh, to keep your soul from rotting in a place called the lake of fire was to come pay your sin debt himself. You certainly couldn't pay it, amen, because you was tainted. You and I both were tainted. If we bled on a cross to try to pay for our sins, he would not have accepted the sacrifice because the blood was polluted with the curse of sin. So the only choice he had was to step down into a robe of flesh as God the Son and say, I'll do it myself. I'll fulfill my own law so that if you'll trust me, I'll just transfer my robe of righteousness onto you. And then when I see you, all I see is my perfection. Somebody shout amen. Aren't you glad for the grace of God? God, amen, which bring a salvation to whosoever will. Glory to God. Mm, hallelujah. Revelation. Who's Jesus? He's the one who loves you so much that he gave his life for you. But Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him. I will sup with him and he with me. Who is Jesus this morning? He's the one whose voice you hear calling you to himself this morning. Mm, glory to God. Uh, can I testify, brother? Amen. Brother Chris, can I testify? It'll be all right. Me and Brother Chris met for breakfast Tuesday morning. Brother Chris was searching for answers. I'll keep it very short. I'll let him put in his own words as he feels led of the Lord. It don't have to be today. Just any time you get ready, brother. But the Tuesday morning, Brother Chris discovered through the revelation of the Holy Spirit and the work of God in his heart that he just simply needed to bow his head and receive Christ as Savior. And in that moment, he took his hat off. He called on the name of the Lord. Amen. Why did he do that? Because he heard that voice calling. I can, I can rewind to months ago when he first pulled up in the parking lot. wasn't even sure why he was pulled here. Hey, you remember that? 
Amen. Not trying to point you. I don't want to embarrass you, brother, at all. I'm not trying to do that. But we, we serve a God, you know, uh, who, who draws us to him. And, and that's what I'm saying. Jesus was knocking at his door just like he knocked on your door the day you got saved. Just like he knocked on my heart's door on September the 9th of 1990. And I heard the voice of God for the first time telling me he thought I was special and wanted to save me. Glory to God. It gave me hope. Amen. And I'm thankful that he's rich unto all that call upon him. Hey, 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 I'm getting ahead of myself, but how are you going to escape if you neglect so great a salvation? I mean, this is a great salvation. This is a good deal. Amen. This world is one who's all twisted up about it. Amen. This Satan is one who lies and tells people that it's a bad deal. That's just a bunch of made-up garbage. The best days of my life are with the Lord. Amen. I have no regrets, no complaints in him. Amen. Romans 10, verses 8 through 13. But what saith it, the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thine heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Amen. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call all upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm glad he put that whosoever in there because I didn't think he would save me. I knew he would save others, but I didn't think he would save me. But I found out whosoever, I could have plugged my name in right there. And my friend, you can plug your name in right there too, that if you will call upon the name of the Lord, he will save you just as much as he saved me because it is not you doing the saving. It's the pure perfect spotless lamb of God amen and if I were you if I had a good dose of religion but I've never put my faith in Jesus Christ I jumped my religion yesterday and I call on Jesus right now and I never look back and I thank God for salvation somebody shout amen right there mm, glory to God who is Jesus he's the one who will save you today if you'll come to him John chapter excuse me Joel chapter 3 Verse 14, I'm about done. Uh, Joel chapter 3 and verse 14. I think I'm about done. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. Who is Jesus? He is the one calling you to decision time. Right here and right now. I don't know who you are. Somebody in this building has yet to surrender to Jesus. Maybe you're like so many who have been religious your whole life. Know about Jesus, been to church, good with all that. Amen. But it's never dawned on you. Just like we testified about Brother Chris and like so many. This never really dawned on them that that moment never transpired where they truly surrendered at all to him. And maybe God is just highlighting that in your heart today. Say, hey, hey, I see you, but, but, but you can't see me because you haven't had that moment. Right? And he's calling you. Junkie religion. Call on Jesus. Right? 
Now, the book of Revelation, chapter 20, verse 12 through 15. I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. The books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. The sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. Why were they judged according to their works? Well, it was because they were not saved. You want to face God in your works? Just don't get the covering of the blood, and you'll have to give account to your works, and they'll fall short every time. But now if you want to be covered and not face God at the great white throne judgment, which is the judgment of the lost, then you, do, you need to put your faith in Jesus so that you'll be judged at the judgment, the bema seat of Christ, right? That's the judgment of the saved. Where you don't, you're, he's not determined if you're going to heaven or hell at that point. He's determined rewards or lack thereof. You see, if you, want to be, if you want to face, let me put it this way, if you want to face the judge of the universe without uh, representation, without a lawyer, you will be found guilty. Right. You cannot represent yourself and talk God into letting you into heaven because he's going to find even the slightest speck or spot that you didn't even know happened. And you're going to fall short. Because it doesn't matter how big or how little the sin because perfection is God's standard. And the only one that was perfect was Jesus. So you don't want to give account to God for your works as far as your eternal destiny is concerned. Because nobody's going to make it that way. They're all going to hell. I'm sorry for the expression, but they're all going to hell. I'm not really sorry for the expression. It's in the Bible. I need to quit apologizing. Just preach it. Can I get an amen? All right. The Bible said every man was judged according to the worst, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Who is Jesus? He is the one you will kneel before at judgment if you do not kneel before him today. And so I close with the scripture that I've already quoted once or twice. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Who is Jesus this morning? He's the one by whom you will never be able to escape judgment without. You, sir, you, ma'am, need Jesus more than you need anything else. More than you need a perfect Sunday school attendance record. More than you need a perfect giving record more than you need all your list of proud religious credentials that you can muster up and brag about how good you've been for Jesus and how good you've been for the church and how loyal you've been and how many hours you've spent and all, la-dee, la-dee, la all that. That ain't going to measure up to a thimble full of righteousness if you ain't washing the blood. God recognizes what you do for him. But listen, when you get saved, you're working for him not to get into heaven. You're just working for him because it's a responsibility and a duty after all he's done for you. Amen. It's a reasonable service, the Bible calls it. To be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. I'm not serving God to get to heaven. That'll never work. I'm serving God because I love him. And because he told me to. And sometimes I still don't get it right, but I've got some grace to help me along the way. Can, and you do too, amen? 
So now, we're going to stand our feet and every head's going to be bowed. If you don't mind, every eye's going to be closed for just a minute. I'm going to ask my family to come up. I'm going to sing a song of invitation. And if you're in the building, and this is all I'm going to ask. If, if you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that the Holy Spirit has revealed Jesus to you in a personal way, and you know that you, all you've had is religion up to this point, but you've never truly been born again. You've never truly put Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You never asked him. I want you at this time to not be ashamed and be willing to come up and let me take my Bible and show you how you can know for sure that you're on your way to heaven. As they sing, the invitation is for those who know they need Jesus. And I want to let the Holy Spirit work on you, and I'm going to be quiet. you love me like you say you do I've got years and years of striving when there was nothing left to prove could it really be this simple your kindness changes everything It's like your grace is on a mission To take down my religion You're all I really need Hallelujah All this time how you how you love me hallelujah it blows my mind how you love me how you love me oh how you love me could it be i'm finally seeing That you're not who I thought you'd be You're not mad and you're not scary And all the shame and guilt I've carried Is why you died for me
scared to death you're gonna turn your back knowing what I've done but me.